Hey, this is Andrea and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Well, let's take a look um, in our Bibles in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and we are in this We Are Not Normal series. Uh, We Are Not Normal series has been really, really good. So let's take a look at 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look in verse 1. If you have the Bible app on your phone, if you look in there under events, you can actually pull up my notes there. I I give them to you every week so that you can follow along during the message. And we leave them up all week so that you can um, also study on your own. So you are encouraged to do that. Um, Go back, man, leave notes in there for yourself. You can add notes, your own notes in there. Um, But we want you to be a part of the message as well. So 1 John chapter 3, looking at verse 1. And it reads like this. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Everybody say lavished. Lavished. Y'all got to help me out in the room. I got to hear you. Everybody say lavished. Lavished. That's why I got you in the room so you can help me, right? (laughs) The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know us him. It did not know him. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Man, leave something here in First John chapter 3. We're going to come back to that. We're going to check out one more passage of scripture before we move on, and that's Colossians chapter 3. If you hang a left in your Bible, go back a few books. You're running to Colossians right there, and all the shuns, Galatians, Ephesians, you'll find Colossians in that area. Colossians, we're going to look at chapter 3 and verse 11, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 14. And it says there, For here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Verse 14 says this, it says, and over all these virtues, put on love. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We're in in this series, We Are Not Normal. I'm I'm preaching a message today, keep your socks on for this, (laughs) called Naked and Afraid. Preaching the message today called Naked and Afraid, and I promise this is a PG message for the parents watching at home. I promise you it's PG. I won't, I, y'all know me. I can go there. I'm not going there today, I promise. Uh, 
But we are not normal, naked and afraid. Bow your heads. Let's take a moment here to pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day, for today that you have made. And Lord, we rejoice and we are glad in it. And we are grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to sit in your presence, to, to dwell where you are. And Lord, we are just amazed at how you move, amazed, Lord, at how you love us, how you care about us, how you show us, man, just just, just the manner in which you, you show us your love and grace. We are so appreciative of that. And, and we just need to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives. Thank you for caring about us. Lord, thank you for showing us the way to live, for sending us your son. We appreciate it so much. And thank you, Lord, for giving us your word, your word that transforms, your word that changes, your word that moves, Lord, your, your word that has its way in our lives. We need it. We need this word to cut us to the heart, Lord, that we might be humble, God, in your presence, that we might know where we need to improve or change. And so, Lord, as we dig into your word today, Lord, as we take a look and, and figure out what it is you're saying to us today, God, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move, that it would allow the word to become alive in our hearts, that we would see the, your scriptures in a new way and not just take them for granted, Lord, but that we would seek to do them. We would seek to do them. God, we need you in this place and in this hour. We give you the glory for all that you're doing in our lives. And it's in your son, Jesus, we all say together, amen. 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 Look, here's the thing. We've been in this series, We're Not Normal, for a few weeks. And here's what I know. Um, if, if we're going to recognize what we're not, right, we're saying we're not normal. If we're going to say, if we're going to recognize what we're not, right, and that's normal, and we are not normal, right? We'll have to get informed and, 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 and really reminded of exactly what we are, right? If, if we're going to focus on what we're not, and we are in this series, we're focusing on the fact that we're not normal, right? Then we really have to know, especially as believers, we need to know what we are. We have to know that, right? We read 1 John chapter 3 that tells us, right, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called, just right here, the children of God. The children of God. I love when it says right behind it, and that is what we are, right? So if, if you don't know what we are, we're saying we're not normal. The reason that we're not normal is because we are the children of God. Right? And that's different than how the world sees themselves. They don't necessarily see themselves when we're out there. We don't necessarily see ourselves as the children of God. Right? We're independent. We're our own individual. I'm my own woman. I'm my own man. Right? That's how we see ourselves. But really, what, should, what we should be calling ourselves and, 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 and man, identifying ourselves as is, man, we are the children of God. That is what we are. That, that should be our, our clarion call, that we know that we're children of God. And it goes on to say the reason why the world does not know us, the reason why the world can recognize that we're not normal, even if we don't even like saying that we're not normal, right? The reason why the world can see it is because, right, it did not know God. The world does not know God. You can look outside the windows right now and can tell that we live in a world, we live in a society, we live in a day and age that the world, they don't know God. Can I get an amen right there? Right? They don't know God, but we're supposed to know him, right? Because we're his children. 
We're his children. We're supposed to know him. We're supposed to have a trust and a confidence in him, right, because we are his children. I, we, we took our daughters to the pool yesterday, right? And, and my, I, got a, I got a six-year-old who's afraid of the pool, right? And I got a three-year-old, just turned three, who doesn't know to be afraid of the pool. <laughs> and so she's just trying to jump off ledges. Here, I want to take off my floaty, Daddy, and I just want to jump. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm on the other side of the pool. She's just taking off the floaty, ready to jump in the pool. And I'm like, you know what? She knew me well enough to call my name and to say, Daddy, look, I'm about to get in. I'm about to jump in the deep end. Right? But that's the same thing we should have. We should have so much confidence in God that we can take off our, man, the safety of, of all that we have and say, man, I'm ready to jump in the deep end. And the Lord was like, hey, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to cover you. Why? Because we are the children of God. That is what we are. We're not seen as normal by the world because Jesus isn't normal. He wasn't normal when he lived on this earth. He was separated from what this world was doing, and he wasn't liked very much because, man, he, he knew that he was God's only son. As believers, we have to be okay with not being normal. We have to be okay with that, with not being like the world, and not being normal should be our calling card as believers. Man, we, we should be knowing, right, and, and walking in that, that we are not normal, right? We've never been in the in crowd anyway. You know you were corny in high school. It's okay, but you love Jesus, right? And that's really what should matter, right? And that works for us because it helps us to stand out. It helps us to stand out, and it, and it helps us to stand apart, to be holy, to be separated, and, and live a life unto God. And, and, and look, we exist in this world. I'm not trying to condemn the world. Why? Because we exist in the world, right? And, and, and this life that we're designed to live is, is in this world, but we are not of this world, who we are as, as the people of God, as the children of God, we live in this world. We have to exist in this society, but we don't have to take on the character and the nature of this society. Can I get amen right there? That, that's, that we have to know who we are, that, that we are not normal. And God lets us know what we actually are, that we are his children. And he shows us this by lavishing us with his love. I love that. I love that, that the way that God lets us know that we are his, it's not by a label, it's not by a, by a stamp, it's not by a decree, it's not by any of that. It's by saying, I love you. Man, and it's by and it is by lavishing us with this love. And we don't we don't use the word lavishing, right? When's the last time you used lavishing in a sentence? It wasn't yesterday, I promise you that. Right? We don't use the term lavishing a lot, but what does it mean? It means that it's generous and excessive. So that means that God's the way that God shows us love is through generous and excessive love. That's how we know we're his kids, is that we experience him in such an amazing way. And, and that love for us, how he lavishes, what he lavishes on us, how he walks that out for us, is, is right, is, is love walked out from God. We see it in Jesus. It's seen in him, and it's lavished on us through one primary way that's walked out in so many different ways. That one primary way that God shows us love is compassion. It's compassion. If there's any way that God shows us love, if there's one central way that God shows us love, it's through compassion. 
right? And what is compassion? Let, let me give you the dictionary meaning, and I'll give you kind of the plain spoken right, uh, meaning here, right? Compassion is the, the sympathetic consciousness and concern of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. It's a sympathetic consciousness and concern of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Say it to me, plain preacher, okay, I will, right? Here, here's what compassion is. It's recognizing the suffering of others and then taking action to help. Recognizing the suffering of others and then taking action to help. It's, it's not sitting idly by and, and thinking that, man, just, just having the consciousness of what people are going through is actually taking the steps to do something about it. I loved, and I'm so grateful, and I'm glad to, to be on this, this rug and in this room and in this city and in this state today because our legislature took the monumental step to say, I recognize the suffering of people, and even though we, it man, it may be uncomfortable, it may not be politically correct, it may not, I may not win my next election, but I recognize that this is a moment and a time where I have to take action to help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote and use the power that I have, the legislature did, use the power that they have to say, look, we recognize that this symbol, right, which we get the, we, man, we, all the history and the heritage and everything else that's behind it, we recognize that some people suffer because that this is up. And even our state economically sometimes suffers because we have this symbol up. And they took the, man, they took it upon themselves to have compassion, to say, I recognize the suffering and I'm deciding to take action to help. Y'all hearing me today? We have to see it in that way, right? And so as the church, what we believe is that compassion, right, is the defining characteristic of the church. Compassion is the, it's, it, it is the defining characteristic of the church and of every disciple. So it's not only the big C church's responsibility to be compassionate, it's actually, it, man, it's, it's, it's in every disciple, right? Because it is the defining characteristic of God manifested in Jesus. When you look at Jesus's life, Jesus is literally a manifestation of God's love and compassion to us. It's him showing us, here's how I care about you. Here's what I think about you. Here's what, how I'm trying to show you my, my love, my compassion, right? And, 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 and that's the most vivid and amazing symbol that we could ever have of God's love. The most vivid and amazing symbol that we could have of God's compassion is the life and death of Jesus on the cross. Him carrying our sin. This literally is the symbol of love and compassion for you and me. And we need to know that. It was God saying, I want to know you. I'm going to send my son because I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you, right? And I want you to know me so much that I'm willing to walk a mile in your shoes. I'm willing to, to take action to understand and figure out what it feels like to carry the burden of sin. But then I'm also going to do something about it. I'm going to alleviate it, right? And the world doesn't think of God in that way. When, when the world thinks about God, that's not the picture that they get. They get the picture of the God that is demanding, 
of the God that, it, it, man, he's the God that's, man, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not paying attention. He doesn't recognize what's going on in the world. He's not thinking about us. He's not caring about us. But God's saying, no, I've been showing you all along just how much I care about you. I've been showing you compassion and care all the way along, right? The world sees him as, as distant and uncaring, but we know that's not true. And that's why it's so important that the church bears the characteristic of the one true God. It's so important that we show, right, compassion ourselves, not only just as the church, but even as individuals carrying the label of Jesus follower, of disciple. We have to be able to show that we are his. That's why compassion, man, it has to be on display in our lives. It has to be. It has to be on display in our lives so that we can accurately display God's love to our friend, to our family member, to our neighbor, to our coworker. We have, man, it has to be on display in our lives. Has to be, right? Psalm 51 says, it says, verse one says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions. What this world needs to know is that God cares about them so much that he's willing to blot out their transgressions, their sins, that his love is so unfailing that he won't let them down in the ways that they are struggling, right? He, he, he actually cares. He actually is thinking about us in that way. And why do we believe that compassion is a defining characteristic of the church? I told you every week, I'd give you what we believe and why we believe it. So here it is, right? Why, I told you the what, here's the why. Why do we believe that compassion is the defining characteristic of the church and of every disciple? It's because without the compassion of God seen through the life of Jesus, every person in this world is and would be naked and afraid. If you remove compassion out from this world, what do we all look like? We are naked and afraid. We are naked and afraid. PK, what do you mean? Well, let me show you from the word. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to show you from the beginning, and I'm going to show you a little bit later on what this looks like. Genesis chapter 3, let's look in verse 7. And we all know the story. This is Adam and Eve. And I'm going to start right after the point where they have eaten, right, of the fruit that the Lord told them not to eat from. And this is what it says. It says, then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were open. They've eaten from the tree of, 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 of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And their eyes were opened, and they realized what? They were naked. <laughs> they were naked. And so what do they do? It's what we do. They sewed fig leaves together. And, and made coverings for themselves. When we sin, when we mess up, what do we do? Right? We sow fig leaves together and we try to cover up for ourselves. Right? We, we try to cover up what we're doing. And it goes on to say, verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But I love this part. The Lord called to the man and he said, Where are you? Where are you? A God that doesn't care is not going to ask, where are you? He's just going to assume that you're gone or be okay that you're gone and not in his presence. But the Lord calls us and he says, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid 
because I was naked. He was naked and afraid. So I hid. And he said, and I love this, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? It's, it's, almost, like he's, it's almost like he's saying, who told you that you were supposed to be normal? Who told you that you were supposed to conform to the ways of this world? Who told you that you're supposed to be living this life that's away from God? Who told you that you're supposed to be listening to all these voices that are contradictory to my word and to what I'm instructing you to do? Who told you that you were naked? There's a few massively, right, just big things to notice, right, in this passage. One, right, what we notice is that the life of acts, the life and acts of sin is what causes that feeling of fear and nakedness in our lives. You want to know why, why, why we have fear and why we're naked, right? It's because we have normalized sin. Sin has been normalized in, in, in our lives, right? It's, it's actually in that moment right there that it's normalized in Adam and Eve's lives and subsequently to all of our lives, right? And that feeling of being naked and afraid, what it is, is it's actually separation from God. What does it feel like to be naked and afraid? I know they got the TV show with the people out there, buck naked in the woods, they're crazy, Right? <laughs> What that feels like, right, it's, it's separation from God. When, we're, when we feel naked and afraid, that's what it feels like. It feels like separation from God. And you know what? That's, that is exactly what the enemy is trying to get us to believe is normal. He's trying to get us to believe that separation from God is normal. It's not. We're not normal. Who are we? We're the children of God. I couldn't imagine, honestly, I couldn't imagine not being with my kids, having them separated from me. I get when, when, parent, when kids go off to college and parents start to get that feeling, right, and you're excited because now you got your house back and you're not paying for all these, for all these little janky people, right? But I'm sure, right, there's this feeling of separation that happens. Why? Because you're away from your kids. You're, you're, you're thinking about them right? And what the good parents do, you call now. Where are you? Right? And hopefully your kids are somewhere where they can answer their phone or they'll pick it up for you. Right? But I, I mean, I, I'm thinking right now, Christina, right? She's, she's six. I got 12 more years, 11 more years, and then she's going to be gone. That's my, that's my girl. <laughs> but I can't, I, man, when I begin to think about the separation, I'm like, man, let, let me just, let me get as much love. Let me lavish her with so much love now so that she understands, so that even at a moment where she might go to this world, I want her to know, I want her to still be able to proclaim from her mouth, wait, I'm Kevin Reed's daughter. I mean, I'm a child of the most high God, and, and we should be that same way, that way, I'm a child of God. No matter, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what struggles that I'm going through, I'm still a child of God. We should be proclaiming that, and we, we need to know that, right? So the first thing we see is that the life and acts of sin is what causes that feeling of fear, right, and nakedness in our lives. The second thing that we see from this passage is that any effort that we try to make to cover or save ourselves when we're naked and afraid in sin, it's going to be insufficient. It's going to be insufficient. Why? It's because we need Jesus, we need him, right? We needed what he did, him going to the cross and doing the work on our behalf. We need it. 
right? And in our nakedness and fear, the Lord is reaching out and, and us seeing Jesus as him saying, right, the Lord saying to us, where are you? What is the condition and position of your heart? Where are you? Here, where are you? Because the Lord can feel when we separate from him. He knows it, and that's why he's asking. He knows exactly the geo, geographic location of where Adam and Eve was, but he's saying, oh, man, whoa, I feel like your heart has left me. And, 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 and that's, what, that's what's being said in here. And as he did with Adam and Eve, right, he wants, us to, he wants to find us where we are in our heart position so that he can, I love this, so that he can clothe us with his love, right, that he lavishes on us through compassion for us. If you go on to read in Genesis verse 21 of the chapter 3, what God actually does is he actually clothes, puts clothes on Adam and Eve. God was the first fashion designer, right? He, he put clothes, right, on Adam and Eve. 1 John 3, 1, read it earlier, says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. What makes us not normal, it's not that we're special, right, but that we were given an opportunity to know God and become his children. That The word says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, Right? And, and we're given the opportunity not only to know God, but to help an entire world of people who don't know him, who are naked and afraid, to know God also. Right? And, and, and the reason why we're given this opportunity, it's not to show how great we are, but it's to lavish love on this world to show them the same compassion that has been shown to us, right? We see it in here in Luke 10. Turn me, Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. There's a, there's a moment where Jesus is speaking to an expert in the law, and he's standing up. He's trying to test Jesus, and he asks Jesus, he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, well, what's written in the law? Right? And he's, he replied, right? Jesus replied, how do you read it? Right? The man said, what is written in the law? Right? He said, how do you read it? And, and the man answered, he said, well, the word says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And he goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus says, okay, son, you've answered correctly. Right? And Jesus replies this. He says, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Last week we talked about doing what the word says, right? Jesus is saying, do this. If you take, if, 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 if the whole word is centered on these two things, right, that these are the two greatest commandments that the Lord says are in his word, right, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself, right, then that is the doing that we should be doing is doing these things, right? What compassion is, it is the action of loving your neighbor. That's what compassion is. It's the action of loving your neighbor. It's the doing. It's the doing, right? First John 3, 18 says, dear, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth, right? How do we love? It's not just through our words, but it's through our actions, 
right? We read last week, James 1.22, which tells us, do not merely listen to the word. Look, reading it on the pages is great. That's awesome. But you know what we do when we just read it and think that there's not another, there's not a part B to it? We deceive ourselves. It's great that you know tons of scripture. That's awesome. I'm honestly happy for that. But you know what would be even greater? Is if you do what the word says. Do what the word says. Compassion is the action of loving your neighbor. And so what we see here, what we know, what we find out is that the word is literally a guidebook on how God is compassionate to people and why you should be too. If you were to rename the Bible, which I'm not suggesting that you try to do, but if you, were to, if you wanted to repackage it for a New York Times bestseller list, this, is, this would be a great title. How God is compassionate to people and why you should be too. That's literally what the word is, right? And that's why it's no surprise that in, in Jesus' response to this expert in the law, right, what he does is that he gives them the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you walk down in that Luke, literally the next story in there is the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus says, look, I, I not only want to tell you what it is, but I want to show you, right? So let's take a look at what happened, right? Luke chapter 10, verse 30. I know I got you jumping all around the word today, but it's so I can show you what, what God is trying to say, right? Luke chapter 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. What did they do? They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. This man is literally naked and afraid. And you know what happens, right? What happens in that moment is that you have two people who know God, who are supposed to know God. You've got two people from the church. A priest walks by, and he doesn't just walk by. How does he walk by? The word says that he crosses to the other side of the street, because I don't want to have any contact between myself and this other person, right? So you have a priest that walks by. Not, he sees the suffering of the man and chooses to walk past. I recognize the suffering, but I don't take actions to help. And then after that, we see another person that's in the church, a Levite, a volunteer in the church, somebody that, that works to make things happen in the church. They also see the, the person suffering, and they do the exact same thing. They walk right past, recognizing the suffering of this man, but taking no action to help him. I think it's funny how, man, we, we all can easily look at this word, and I've done it myself. You look at this word, and, and in your minds, you're looking down your nose at, at these two people that pass by this man's suffering, not recognizing that really it's a mirror into how we are. How many times that we have walked past our family members suffering? How many times we've been around our neighbors or our friends who don't know the, who don't know the Lord and we never introduce them to the gospel of Jesus Christ? We, 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 and we, we never go after the suffering, man. We're just so consumed with ourselves and with our position and with our titles and with our jobs that we can't even take a moment to recognize the suffering that someone's going through and to take action uh, that corresponds with it. But who was it that helped him? It was the Samaritan. It was the despised person. It was the outcast. It was a person not considered normal in that culture and society. That's the person that not only noticed the man's suffering, but had compassion for him, the word says. He suffered with him. You know what compassion is? The actual, if you break it down from the Latin, the word compassion means to suffer with. 
That's what compassion means, is to suffer with. How dare we say that we're disciples of Christ, yet we're not capable of showing any sympathy to people that are suffering? We don't show any empathy. We show no compassion when we see our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors suffering. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9 says this, and instructs us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's what the word tells us to do. This is not me making some political stance. I'm not. This is what the word instructs us to do. Now, I know it's not normal in the word. It's not normal in our country right now, right? It's, it, it's actually normal for them right now to, it's normal for the country to just, we look down, we look away on people that are suffering, right? We mock and we laugh at people's suffering. I know it's normal now, right? And it's because it's, a, it's our political affiliations, it's our cultural alliances, right? It's, it's, and it's our expediency, our desire to quickly minimize, to deny, to destructively label, or, or really conspirarize, right, the suffering and pain of others who don't share our same life experience. It's easy for us to just walk by on the other side of the road because of our differences. But what we're doing is we're walking by people that are naked and afraid that we're actually called to as believers. We walk by people that are living in sin. Those are the people that we're called to as believers. Are y'all hearing me today? Yes. And the word instructs us that, that we better be careful who we treat in this way, right? Matthew 25, 42, the Lord is speaking here. He's teaching his disciples. He says, well, Lord, man, when, when man, he's going to say, man, there's going to be one day where you're going you're gonna to be judged and you're going to think, oh, I got it all right. Well, he's, he's saying this. He says, look, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was naked and afraid, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Or when did we see you thirsty? Or when were you a stranger? When were you needing clothes? When were you sick or in prison, and we didn't help you? And he says, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we cannot be normal. We cannot view this world the way the world does. We have to see it through God's eyes and his vision and his way. And God's way is not to shun people that are naked and afraid or try to destroy them, but actually it's to clothe them. Clothe the people that have made mistakes. Clothe the people that don't share your opinion. Clothe those, clothe those people, men, who may have gotten it wrong. And not only to clothe them, but to lavish love on them. To love in an extraordinary way, to be generous and even excessive with it. Why? Because the Lord is saying, I want them to be my kids too. 
And I'm going to use my kids to go get that kid. Look, it's something that you see on the playground all the time, right? You see a kid that will adopt another kid as their sibling. Don't know the kid from Adam, but all of a sudden, they're the best of friends. You just met two minutes ago on the monkey bars, but now they're the best of friends. And what they do, hey, mom, this is my buddy Kyle, and me and Kyle are going to hang. And it's that easy for them to be family, but it's so hard for us to do the same thing. I know that's not normal for the world. I know it's not normal for us. What it means is we, believe, we as believers should be doing everything that we can to be compassionate because we're not normal. We're not normal. Colossians 3 says this, read it earlier. says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Right? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, right? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love, which binds us, binds those things together compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience in perfect unity. All of these things should be working in perfect unity in our lives as we encounter the world. Don't just love being a person chose by God. Take action. Show compassion. We believe that compassion, said it earlier, that's the defining characteristic of the church and of every disciple because it is a defining characteristic of God manifested in Jesus and it's walked out by us. Why do we believe it? It's because without the compassion of God through Christ, every person in this world is naked and afraid. 1 John 3.16 says this from the NLT. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Uh, There's a quote by, there's a man, he's about 93 years old today. He was a poet, an author, a pastor, a a preacher, a theologian. His name was Frederick Buckner. And he said this quote, he said, compassion is sometimes the fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside inside someone else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. Shouldn't that be how we are? Because that's, that's what Christ did. He literally came down and got into our skin so that he could experience all of it. And here's the thing. We did not have peace until he came in to be like us and gave us peace. There was no peace for God because he was distanced from his kids. So he said, look, I'm going to come and jump into your skin to feel what you feel, to experience what you experience so that, man, I can be like you and understand what's going on. And that's why we can say in Colossians 3, look, there's no Gentile or Jew. There's no circumcised or or uncircumcised or barbarian or Scythian or slave or free or black or white or Hispanic or Latino or Asian or Latinx or whatever. Look, Native American, look, Christ is in all. And he is all. We're not normal. We're not supposed to be. We're we're not supposed to see this world 
like the world sees it. We're not supposed to act in this world how the world acts. We are supposed to show compassion because that is the character and the nature of Christ. We don't leave any of our neighbors naked and afraid. We don't leave anyone out there on their own. We're compassionate like our Lord. That's my challenge for all of us today, that we would figure out where we are. We would know and reaffirm who we are as children of God and that we would walk in compassion to one another. Notice I didn't say that we're always going to agree with each other. Notice I didn't say that we're always going to vote the same way. Notice I didn't say that we're all going to live in the same neighborhood. We're all going to have the same experience of the same life. It's not that. We're just going to have compassion. We're going to bear with one another. We're going to forgive one another just as God forgave us. And we're going to take action where we see suffering. And that's not normal for the world, but I promise you it's normal for the people of God. We are not normal. We are compassionate. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for us in this moment. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your love and your compassion again. Let us experience and know what it means to be called a child of God. And Lord, if, Lord, if there's anybody watching today that may not know, they may not have the assurance or the confidence to know that they are a child of God. Lord, I pray that you would give us in these next few moments, Lord, give them an opportunity to receive you. And, and to receive that calling on their lives to know that they belong to you. God, I pray for all of us listening today. Lord, change our hearts. And Lord, where we might be hard, tenderize us, Lord, and cut us so that we can be compassionate once again. For those that are watching and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray a prayer of salvation, to come into the family of God, to be put in the position to call God your father right now. And we're going to pray this prayer as a family. We do it every week because we want to get as many people as we can into our family. We're on the monkey bars right now inviting everybody to come and be our friend. We want you to be a friend and a child of God right here in this moment. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. If you don't have a relationship with God, you never have, or maybe you did and you walked away from God. Maybe you did, and, and man, you, you messed up, and you've been living in the world naked and afraid, but just saying, Lord, I want to be clothed and lavished with your compassion and love today. If that's you, would you please just say this prayer with me? Make the choice in your heart to follow Jesus today because we want to invite you into the family of God that you would understand and know his love. Would y'all say this prayer with me and say it loud as you can? Say, Lord. Y'all say it louder. Say, Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for caring about me. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin and my shame and my guilt. I repent today of my wrong and I choose to follow you from this day forward. God, I want your love. I need your love. 
And I choose to be in your family today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's clap for those who said that prayer online, who made that confession. Man, we are so appreciative and grateful for everyone uh, who watched us online today, who came out to hang out with us and be among us. Man, we pray that you are blessed today. Uh, man, online, where you can give an offering. They'll give a, a moment in just a moment, uh, a, a speech in a moment for you to do that. And we're going to give here in service as well. Uh, so if you uh, look on your seats, there's a, a tithing envelope there. You, we give in two ways here at City Heart Church. You can give from, um, in the envelopes there, you can give by cash or on, by cash or check, excuse me, in the envelope there. Just put City Heart Church on it. Or you can actually give from your phone if you go to our website, cityheartjackson.com. Just click, there's a big orange giving, giving button down towards the bottom. If you click that, you can give securely in that way as well. And we love for you to be a part of our heart and our compassion for our city and for our neighbors and those around the country who need to know the Lord and, and for what we're doing here at church. Anybody enjoy the word today? Awesome. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.